have issues. I'm Loose for Storm, and I've got one quick question for you. That's right, you. How are you? How the devil art thou? Hopefully, you're keeping well and keeping safe. Before I introduce this week's guest, I do just want to let you know that this show is brought to you by Malice Bazaar, an online Etsy store that deals with morbid curiosities, ranging from unique upcycling to taxidermy. In fact, my friend John Doe comes from Malice Bazaar, and you can find a link to Malice Bazaar in the description box down below. But before you click that link, I do just want to warn you that what Malice Bazaar sells is not suitable for children, the easily offended, or the faint of heart. So recently, I got to sit down and have an awesome conversation with Alex Dorr, the creator of NRG Comics. And at the moment, NRG Comics currently have an Indiegogo campaign for their forthcoming book, Xena. So if you take a look in the description box down below, you will find links on where you can follow Alex on social media, and you will also find a link to the Indiegogo campaign for Xena. Cool, cool, man. Well, let's start off. This is a question that I that I ask everyone when they first come on to the show. Right. Where does your comic book journey begin as both a fan and a creator? Well, let's see. Fan-wise and creator-wise, I think it began actually fairly early. You know, like when I was a kid, you know, the first, I mean, I've, been, I've always loved superheroes. You know, when I was... Yeah. When I was a kid, the first one, very first ones I was introduced to were uh, Power Rangers, and then Batman the Animated Series, and then from there, uh, a lot of, in fact, a lot of the original series was some of the Bruce Tim DC Animated Universe stuff. And um, you know, I, 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 and in my spare time, I was drawing like monsters and then, like characters. And I guess in, around middle school, I decided I wanted to be in comics because, I mean, I was always drawing characters, and I always liked superheroes, and I, I, I always wanted to be a superhero, but that's impossible to do. So, so, um, so I decided the next best thing was to create my own characters. And, uh, look, honestly, like I didn't really get deep into comic books until I was like in high school and how this happened. It was, it was actually on my 16th birthday, my very, very 16th birthday, the exact date. Uh, I was in the school library looking for something to read during, uh, just, uh, study hall time. And I found this book, uh, Marvel's runaways. I'm sure you've heard of it. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. Great series. It was the first volume, and I picked it out, and I thought this is cool. And then, and then I just I was blown away by the story, and I had to read more. So I went to my local comic shop, started buying all those issues, and then from there, you know, I, I eventually ran out of runaway stuff to read. So I started expanding my horizons more to like some DC stuff, like mm -hmm. especially Jeff Johns' Blackest Night. That's what introduced me to Green Lantern. Ooh, and excellent run. Yeah, so Jeff Johns, his writing is like one of my favorites, and then. Also some Zenscope stuff like the Wonderland series and the mm. Good Fairy Tales. And then other series like Invincible and, you know, some of them are uh, independent stuff. So, it's just, so that's how my creativity of a fan, uh, my journey as a fan began. And uh, uh, career-wise, you know, I knew in middle school I wanted to be a comic book creator. Um, so I went to college, you know, to try to be both an artist and a writer. But um, And this is kind of where I started uh, getting a little more serious in my work because um, – I was uh, I used my spare time in college to create characters I had planned for my universe and post them yeah. online to DeviantArt. So, and and then like uh, during during uh, college, you know, I realized um, my skills were better as a writer than as an artist. So, but I still do character design. So I focus more on that. Mm. And then it wasn't until and then like I graduated and kept working on the stuff and like was coming up with ideas. And then actually in 2017 when Wonder Woman came out, um, I was so enthralled by this story and like taken by it i want to tell something similar and i guess you could say that movie kind of got me off my ass to start actually making comic books and so for the last 
since 2017, for the last almost five years, I've been doing it professionally. And um, we started off with a series called Empress, uh, Mother of the Sandmaiden, which is the story about an evil industrialist who, after a chance encounter with uh, meeting Mother Nature, the Mother Nature, gets a second chance in life by becoming a herald. And that was our first series. And we're actually going to do a revamp of that following Zener. But like right now, our focus is Zener, Master of the Mind. And I'm sure you've gotten to know it a little bit, little bit over the last few days. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. I've, I've been taking a look at a couple of uh, other interviews that you've been doing talking about it and, it, and it sounds interesting. But for the people who are watching, they, they, they probably don't know much about it. So do you want to tell us a bit more about Zener? I would love to. So Zener is a story of Axel de Vera. And Axel is born with immense psychic powers, making him one of the most powerful beings on the on the planet and i'm not and i'm i'm not just talking like telepathy or telekinesis like those classic like big two yeah. i'm talking about like dowsing mediumship or reading mm -hmm. all the smaller ones that you see everywhere else but don't get highlighted on he's got all those psychic abilities hmm. the problem is uh when at a young age zener was traumatized by an experience that lost his family and uh, it had an effect on his mind he's put into an asylum for uh, many years into his young adult life and there he, um, and then like, and then the story that we're telling is like, he, he gets out, he, this is when he puts on his costume, he decides, you know, he wants to help others. He wants to use his powers to help others. There's an, but the problem is, the thing about Zener is, with, when you have psychic powers, your mind is basically your strongest weapon. You know, that's how yeah. all psychic powers work. But the problem is Zener's mind is so fragile by not only his trauma that he experienced, but the continuing trauma of, like all the superhero, like uh, superhero day does, because he deals with like a lot of dark events and characters mm -hmm. and villains. It takes a toll on him, and it really affects him mentally and spiritually, and and that can affect his powers. In a lot of ways, he's his own worst enemy. But at the same time, he's just trying to be a good person. You know, he's a healer mm -hmm. by nature. He wants to help his villains more than just fight them. Yeah. So you kind of see. So the best way I can describe it is you see this upbeat, morally Boar Scoutish Superman type character dealing with all of Batman's dark-related shit, so to speak, and yeah. how that puts an effect on him. Awesome. It sounds like a, a more mature title than what Superman normally is, especially because you've kind of blended in that that element that makes Batman what, who he is, but you've given that to like the Superman character. Yeah, because that, that's actually how Xenor kind of came to be. You know, this started back in college. I was It started out as a challenge. You know, I was figuring out a way, trying to figure out a way to combine both Superman and Batman, and the only yeah. way I could like think of it at the time was to give Batman Superman's powers, but mm. I couldn't make that to work. So I put it back on the shelf, and I kept coming back into it. Eventually, I had this idea for a character who like who didn't have just like the big psychic superpowers, but all the psychic powers. So he'd mm. be like the psychic supreme of Earth, you know, like sorcerer yeah. supreme but psychic. And so I, I played with that a little bit, and eventually, you know, with my editor, we started working around, and we came. To, I came to this idea. The, the ultimate way you can combine Batman and Superman, one of ways, is you take uh, Superman, this morally upbeat guy who always sees a positive anything, but have him deal with Batman's dark atmosphere and all his problems, all his like very demented, like abusive, psychotic mm. villains, and you see how that puts an effect on him. Yeah. So, so and it's like and that's how Xenon can be, and we started rolling with that. That's what we have now, and we're very excited to tell this story. Good, good. That's a great approach, man. Uh, you mentioned that you're more of a, a writer than you are an artist. 
So are, are you tr are you the one who's doing the artwork for this book or did you reach out to someone else and say, hey, man, I've got this script. I've got this story. I'm really passionate about it. And I think your artwork fix uh, your artwork fits. What can we do about this? Well, it was, kind of, it was kind of like the no more the latter, as you so to speak. So our artist is Juan Palo. He's in the Philippines. Great guy. I want to give him a big shout out. He's on DeviantArt. He's on Facebook. If, if any of your listeners are reading, look him up. He's got this cool artistic style, and he does everything. He does uh, inks, pencils, colors, even lettering. And he's done yeah. level goes for our covers, and he's just incredible. And we actually met him, like, back when we were doing Empress, our original artist got an opportunity to do a new project, and we decided to let him do it because we wanted him to grow and develop like all creators do. So we yeah. uh, reached out to Juan and he drew Empress for a bit. We loved his style and we just instantly knew that Zener would be perfect for him because he had like this very, you know, original style, but it still kept to the comic book element that we wanted with Zener. So we put him on the case. He, he wrote issue zero for us and everyone just loved it. And we knew we wanted to stick with him for Zener. Brilliant, brilliant. I, I always think it's really because, like, it's when you're an artist who's independent, it's kind of easy to get a book on the go. You know, I, I find that whenever you meet an independent artist, they've normally got their own character that they've already thought about. They, they already know how the character looks. They've got the story idea. They just need someone to come in and just, you know, iron out a few creases. But when you're a writer in the independent scene, it's a lot tougher. There's a big struggle, especially if you don't feel that your artwork is is adequate enough for it. So did you find it challenging trying to find an artist for this book? Uh, for this book, it was easier because we already had one on hand. But for some of the yeah. other books we have planned, the other series, we know it's going to be a struggle. So we want to find the right artist with the right style. And a lot of other factors that come into play, you know, such as availability, like if they're not doing other projects or especially price, you know, I mean, we're, yes. we're just, we're starting out. So unfortunately we can't afford like the big names, like yeah. that you see with DC and Marvel. I mean, we'd love to, but I mean, yeah, but, <laughs> but ultimately we got, we got to find something that's not only within our budget, but within the best for our series. So that's yeah. a little bit of a struggle, but which is ironic because as an independent company, we get all these artists, you know, coming to us, uh, pitching their artwork, looking for jobs, and they're they're pretty cool. Some of these are really good guys. Some of them need to work more developed. And honestly, we would love to give these guys a shot at something, but unfortunately, as it means, we don't have the resources or the time to actually give them uh, a yeah. project to work on. And that and that kind of breaks my heart a little bit because I really want to help these guys out because we're a big supporter in like helping indie creators and artists yeah. and writers because that's how we all survive in this country. In this business, like you gotta support each other because that's how we all grow and develop and succeed and become big names. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The uh, the rising tide it lifts all ships, and at the end of the day, we're all in the same boat. So why paddle in different directions? But exactly. you're absolutely you're absolutely right. Like sometimes you will get some very enthusiastic artists come along, and they're good, but they're not quite there yet, and you kind of feel bad having to say, "Look, pal." I'd love to, but I just can't. Like, I want to help you out because I know that's how you're going to grow and become better. But this this book, it needs the best of the best at the moment. You know exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we usually we usually try to find ways to use these guys if we can. Like uh, with Zener, what we did was like we for help to help with raising promotion for the Indiegogo, we hired a bunch of like indie artists or commissioners to do like some promotional art pieces of Zener and some of his characters. So occasionally we use some of the artists who came to us and was like, okay, we don't have a big project for you to work on, but how would you like to draw a, our, our character as a promotional art piece? And 
it's a great way to help them out because they they get the commission, they get the the not they get the the the, the, pr the promotional exposure to their own art, and it helps them grow. And like with our editor Webb, uh, who's actually writing the series Zener, um, he he he's great with like artistic eye and like telling people what they need to improve on. So we we always tend to like offer some artistic advice to these people too. So oh, that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. What made you decide to take Xena to Indiegogo over Kickstarter, or have you taken it to Kickstarter as well? Uh, Indiegogo was our first choice. Uh, the reason for this was a bunch of things. Um, my editor like looked into this more, but we also we did a kind of exploring. Um, with Indiegogo, you know, it has more of a comic book atmosphere. We feel like mm -hmm. a lot more people tend to use that for comic books, and it's like mm -hmm. the place to do it. Um, yeah. The the other is is like. Uh, so there's a few factors. One thing is like Indiegogo has some uh, features that Kickstarter doesn't like. It has in-demand, so if you fund your project and you get your goal, you can keep funding it, so to speak, so people, more people can get it. This is a great way to do business. And the other thing we found, and we found about this like during our campaign, during an interview, is that, I mean, no offense to Kickstarter, if that's what you love to do, I mean, we, we, we both of these are great for comics, but we yes. found that Indiegogo is better for comics professionally because on Kickstarter, a lot of it is more just creators who want to do this passionately, just as a part-time project, just for fun. But yeah. Indiegogo, for like, if you want to make a living out of comics, if you want to show people you're serious about your career in them, that has more of an atmosphere to that. So you find more people professionally who want to who share your interest in doing this full-time. So, yeah. so with those factors, we knew Indiegogo had to be it. Awesome, man. Awesome. What would you say is your most interesting writing quirk? The thing that makes you stand out from the other comic book writers out there? Well, let's see. Actually, um, I think what my, my own writing style, um, I think when it comes to it, like, basically when it comes to me and my writing, my biggest thing is that I have the ability, I feel like I have the ability to come up with these throw against the wall ideas that just stick, you know, that yeah, I like to call these the Ninja Turtle ideas, you know, because okay. um, like you, like with the Ninja Turtles, when you look at them, you wouldn't think that this this concept of like mutant turtles with nin, ninja powers would work, but it does uh, because yeah. the writers actually took it as a serious project and with the yeah. basics of writing, and they made it stay. It's a and it's a throw against the wall idea that it's out there, it's random, but it when you develop it, it's actually a pretty cool idea, and I feel like. Some of my ideas, like a lot more of my plan series ideas, some of the things I've come up with and I want to tell the stories, I feel like those are, that's what I'm good at because I can come up with these, all these crazy ideas and, and I feel like if I'm passionate about it and I really take it seriously as a writer, I can make something big out of these. And I, I have a lot of this planned with some of our future title series. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. What would you what would you say is your writing kryptonite? That one thing that when you're when you know you should be sat at the desk writing away, it comes along and you go, okay, the writing can wait till tomorrow. I'll take your hand and go with you. Uh, I think it comes down to two things. I think uh, basically what it comes down to is you know, when it comes to writing, I've been more of a planner, you know, I've been an actual yeah. writer. You know, I, I like I said, I have a whole bunch of these series and characters that I want to tell in my universe. And I spend more of my time, you know, planning out stories that, you know, I might not even get to or just like how I want to go, but I don't, but I don't really just write with the flow. I don't let it go. I, I, I need to actually sit down more and actually write. So as opposed, yeah. and just let this universe build itself instead of plan for a universe that might not actually come out the way it is. And yeah. the, the other part, the other part of it is, is one thing I do is I struggle with logic sometimes, you know, when I'm writing okay. a story, 
that I'm writing something that um, I think is a good idea. And then my editor comes along and says, well, this doesn't make sense. How do you go from this to this? And right. so, I, so I basically struggle with the logic of how things flow. I mean, I'm working on it. I'm getting better at that. I'm, I'm, yeah. My editor, my, honestly, one of the things my editor has over me is that he, he can see things more logically and crystal clear than I can. Yeah. I, in the past, I've tended to make like go things to exaggerate or blow things up with so much detail that it doesn't need it. So, but I, but that's what I'm working on. Is like just trying to create a more of a flow of a logical storyline that can flow easily. And you said you can get from point A to point B without getting lost in so many questions. Do you do you think the reason why your editor is able to do that is because he's detached from the projects and the characters? Uh, I think it is part of that. You know, I mean, part of it. I mean, editor Webb, great guy. He's writing Zener, and like he's helped me so much as an artist, and I've helped him. I mean, as a writer and like as a person, we we just need each other. We're like we're like Stanley and Jack Kirby, and yeah. it's great. But the thing is, like, I, a part of it is like with Webb, he he has a more of a better understanding of like good writing. I guess he, I don't want to say, but he just like he's more able to retain that. You know, I'm more of a learn as I go person, but he's kind of tend to just understand it immediately. And, um, but, but, the, but the other thing is, and I think you're right, is that since he's detached from it, since he's not writing in himself, he's looking yeah. at this from an outside point. I mean, that's how he's able to catch all this. And basically that is an editor's job, you know, yeah. they're supposed yeah. to look at a, at a comic and like, look at this as an outsider reader perspective and say, okay, why, what, what, I don't think this works and you need, it should be going this way or why are you writing like this? And I think that out, you're right. That outsider's perspective is what makes him a great editor and a great writer. Yes, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's very hard to come across indie projects at the moment that have an editor. It seems to be very few and far between. But the ones that do have editors are doing the right things. It really does help just make that book that little bit better that little bit more enjoyable for the readers it does it does and i i really lucked out with web we actually met on demon art um cool. the story of how that happened is you know on demon art we were both like starting out creating our own characters and the, the cool thing is his icon or his profile pic on demon art was a runaways character victor mancha and that kind of kickstarted something and then we started paying attention to his work and he started looking at my stuff and pointing out some things that didn't work or did work. And, you know, admittedly at the time, I wasn't ready to hear it. Cause I was in that moment, you know, just like, I think that everything I have works, you know? Yeah. But eventually I started paying more attention to his work and uh, like what he had to say, taking the honest critique as it was and building on that. And ever since then, we've been like really partners in our storytelling. We're officially partners in NRG. And I can honestly say that I can't do this without him. Like he is, yeah. he's like my Yoda, so to speak. Like he offers this wisdom. He offers this outside perspective that always makes sense. And it's helped me become not only a better writer, but a better creator and a better publisher. So just big shout out to Webb. He's awesome. Awesome, man. Awesome. Would you say that writing energizes or exhausts you? Because I know for some writers, they get to the end of it and they're just like, I want to write more and there's no more to write. And there's other ones that are like, I can't make it to the end. I just need a nap. Which one do you think you are? Or do you fall in between the two? I think I fall in between the two. I think it kind of depends on the situation. Like I know when I get an idea and I'm super excited about it, I just, I want to go write about it. I just want to tell this story. And I, I actually need to start doing that more actually the actual writing part, which is yeah. what I'm going to do today, like work on a script. So, um, but like part of it is like, you know, when you start like writing, what I, I think what happens with me in my case is that when I start writing and I write something I think is good, 
And then uh, my editor comes along, he like notices stuff, and I'm just like, oh man, I mean, how how did I not see this? I have to go back and do this all over again. So it could be a little exhausting not getting it the fr- right the first time. So that that's yeah. kind of the exhausting part for me is like thinking you got it right the first time, but then you didn't. So you have to go back and rethink everything. But but ultimately, when I do write, you know, it's like I I have so many stories I want to tell, and like just so many ideas I want to get them all out on paper, you know. So I yeah. So like, I guess when I do write, I mean, it, it can be exhausting to write out a whole script and going through it, but at the same time, it's very exciting because I'm bringing my story alive. I'm doing what I want passionately and yeah. trying to make a professional living out of it. And you know, it's just, it excites me to, just to do this. Awesome, man. Awesome. Now you mentioned NRG Comics, because that's like your, your little label, your little small press publishing label that you have in the top corner of the cover for your books and everything. Where did the idea for, for doing NRG come from? And why the name NRG? Well, I mean, NRG, I mean, the, to do my own publishing company was something I always wanted to do. You know, I didn't want to be necessarily part of the big two, like Marvel yeah. or some of the other companies. I mean, it would be cool to work for them. But Ultimately, I realized that my my ideas just wouldn't fit into the canon with their characters, and I yeah. I wanted to have more control over my characters, do what I want to do. Yeah, understand. Um, so so back in 2017, when we started uh, doing uh, Empress, you know, we decided to start a little small press to be official. And at the time, we were coming up with like a a kind of a a, a zingy title for our, our publisher that just would really stick. And yeah. I had this idea for like this cool play on the word energy. And I just spell it yeah. N-R-G. And it was just like, it was simple. It was, it said it, it was unique. And uh, we, j- we just rolled with that. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's been our logo ever since. And people are starting, and it, it works for us because it's not like one of those lengthy titles where you just like have to squeeze everything. It's, it's simple. Yeah. It says it, you can put it, make it into a little button or sticker and merchandising. Mm-hmm. It works, you know. It's it's like the it's like Marvel or DC. You know what I mean? It's yeah. simple. Like, it's simple, but it it it's it's eye catching. Yeah. Awesome, man. Awesome. What would you say is the best money that you've spent when it comes to creating the the comics that you make for NRG? It, I would say the best money I've ever spent, obviously, would be on the comic itself. You know, because yeah. it's being made. Um, because like you know when you when you when you're, when you're putting your resources into the actual comic itself, you you feel more professional. You feel like you're actually doing this for a living. I mean, when you do it on commissions and promotional work and merchandise, that's cool. It's it's yeah. nice to have that because you feel like you have some extras you can make money off of. But the actual, yeah. but for me, the actual comic itself lets me know that that, that since I'm spending this money on it, that I'm actually investing not just my money but myself into it. So I'm putting a part of myself into the actual comic process. So. Whenever yeah. we make an issues of Xena or Empress, it's just it's just always felt like, you know, I'm actually doing what I want to do. There's the actual business element to it that's coming true. Awesome, man. Awesome. When I've spoken to like some artists and write writers and inkers and creators and all that, there seems to be this common theme where once they get into that zone, when they're whether they're writing a script or they're drawing a page or a cover or they're inking like a splash page or something when they get into that zone it's as if they are beginning like a meditative process so some of them kind of see like the art of creating comics as being almost akin to a spiritual practice is it the same for you when it comes to making your comics i i would say so i mean maybe not in the same sense as theirs but whenever i get an idea and i just have to explore it i'm just so into the zone i'm excited i'm 
I'm just I'm exploring, I'm developing it, and it's it just puts me in this trance where it's like I'm just I'm just one with myself. You know, I'm doing what I yes. love, and at the same time, you know, I'm making a living out of it, and it, it's just a part of me is being put onto the page and the writing or the character, and I feel it coming alive. You know, it's like a it's like almost like a trans um, formative experience. You know, like. Yeah. And I'm not. I, I'm sure, like Stan Lee or Jack Kirby, felt the same way when they were creating the comics. You know, like even any one of those guys. You know, they say put a little bit of yourself into your work, and that's what I try to do. You know, I try to put in some of my experiences or my characteristics and some of my characters. I mean, obviously, they're not me just playing the roles I would want to do. But then there's just like there's stuff in them that you see, and it's like you know instantly this is my style. This is like who I am as a writer. And just putting that on the paper and getting to that zone, it's a very uplifting experience. Yeah, yeah. So as a as a as a writer, as a comic book creator, would you would you rather would you rather get the money and the acknowledgement or or the legacy that, that comes with being a comic book creator? Would you rather it be that you get a paycheck and you're like, hey, I never have to worry about where, whether I can pay the bills or not again? Would you prefer it if in like a couple of hundred years time, there's someone picking up one of your books and going, oh my God, this is amazing. This is a lesson in how to make a masterpiece in comics. Honestly, the legacy... I- Honestly, I have to go with the legacy because that that's the, the the defining thing for all of my comic creating and what my goal as a creator is. Like, like I said, I want to create a universe as big as DC or Marvel one day. And I want and my goal has always been for eventually, like whether I'm passing or still alive, but I'm further down in my career, someone picks up an issue of my comic and they're reading it's just like, okay, this is my favorite character, or you're walking down the street, someone has like a shirt with like Zener's logo on it, or you're going to a, a forum debate and they're saying who's the best superhero and they're saying it's my character and yeah. that kind of acknowledgement just like makes me know that i i'm leaving a legacy behind and yeah. and it's like honestly like i mean that's what i'm trying to do with like my comics i'm trying i'm creating these milestones that i have planned out to kind of go for like where i can make a a notice like as, as small as milestone you know milestone comics you know where like it, like they have like this cemented part in history and they're very memorable to like to the full-on dc and marvel where they're, they're just universally known everywhere so i i have a i that's that's my acknowledgement that's my legacy goal that timeline that i'm trying to achieve for i could understand that i can definitely understand that i think that's what a, a lot of us want is as indie creators like like the people who are the professionals at the big two they're probably like i already get that you know because i work on spider-man like yeah. it was like that before i even arrived you know whereas for us it's like we're taking a risk you know we're like you said we're putting a part of ourselves onto the page and you know that's a scary thing for everyone you know because that's like standing up on a stage and then going oh no i forgot to put my clothes on and there's like an audience of a thousand you know? <laughs> yeah we've all had that dream we've all had that dream <laughs> oh yes haven't we just man yeah. so when you're working on a story do you tend to hide any secrets in the story that only you and a select few people may notice in the finished product? You know, they'll be turning those pages and going, huh, I know what that's about. But but people like myself will read it and it will just be part of the background or something. I I think I do try to do that. Part of it, like the world building, you know, trying to, you know, it all comes with setting up the plot, you know, because you want to you keep the audience on their toes. You want them to be shocked or excited or like leave them hanging, leave them like wanting more. That's what I try to do. And but when I, but like I've worked with my my team for so long that obviously when I put something on, they'll notice uh, something in the page, and they're just like, oh, I know where you're going with this. You know. And in fact, my yeah. editor did that with the web 
with a Zener comic. And they put something in there. It's like, I was so excited. It's like, oh, like, holy crap, you're doing this. And it's like expanding into a bigger universe. And I'm so excited to see this. So it, it, it's a fun little, it's a fun little insider thing between us. But at the same time, you know, you also got to do these things by keeping in the eyes of mind. You got to know that they don't know everything you know. So you got to put it in a way so that what the, as they're going, they're slowly learning about it. Or like when they don't see it coming, it's like, okay, that is good shit. I got to yeah. read more of this. Excellent, man. Excellent. What are some of the key challenges you faced uh, since you started making your own comic books? Well, uh, I get one of the things is like uh, trying to get building our audience is always the biggest struggle. You know, we're trying to get people mm. in, interested in our comics I mean, yeah. I feel like I've lucked out on that because people say that my biggest skill is my ability of promotion to get the word out. And I've, in like the last two years, I managed to take a lot of our social media sites to like higher ground, but still building that audience and getting them so interested in our comics that they actually want to like financially support us and what we do. Yeah. So they also try and make a living out of that. And that's what we try to, that's what we try to do. And really, really a part of it is also like as a creator, um, it, it's, I get a lot of ideas, you know, that I, mm. I think could be better or maybe different. And it, it's hard for me to just lay back and accept things for what they have that they're already good. I already have good ideas. I don't need to improve them on some points where like it could be better, but it may act not actually be better. So I'm, that's one of the biggest struggles I have as a creator is like, it's like just accepting what I have is like already perfect. And I should be telling that as opposed to an idea that I like better. And I should be telling that, but it may not work. Cool, man. So when you're working on a book, do you find that there's any f certain themes or messages that you keep coming back to? Because you're like, there's so much to explore with this theme in a story. You can't just do it in one book or one title. I need to do it in several of them. Um, well, yeah, there's definitely that. Like when our greatest universe and our greater scheme of our universe, uh, a lot of what you'll, we have planned that the audience will see is that a lot of our heroes aren't necessarily like perfect, super hero like marvel dc like like black and white characters there's a lot of gray area in the history of these characters and how they operate and a lot of the themes that go on is redemption and rebirth second chances like uh and we're, we're trying to capture that with our comics and a lot of what we also planned is consequences that's a big thing because yeah. when, when a lot of comics especially the big two you see something happen in in the comics it's like this big thing but then it's like oh we just resolved this it doesn't matter but like we want them to have our, our our actions in our universe to have everlasting consequences that people will have to not only deal with and slowly build up from, but show the audience that this is essentially a comic book in a real life, even if our some, some of our ideas are out there. So we want to show that everything we do have is it won't just be resolved quickly. There's going to be like there's going to be time and tribulation to kind of resolve this. Cool, man. Cool. If you had to describe your work or yourself in three words, no more, no less, what would those words be and why? I think it would be honestly uh, inverted and subverted. And the reason okay. for this is because, you know, when I started out, I was starting to fill archetypes of heroes because I thought that's what I had to do. But then, like, I took a look at my work and I decided, you know, there had to be another way to do this, like to invert the trope or to suffer in a way that no one ever has ever seen before. And that's what we try to do with a lot of our characters and what we have planned because, yeah. you know, we, we, obviously we love classic superheroes. I mean, that's what our, our story is built on, but you can't just do the classic thing because everyone sees that. So we try to do it yeah. in a way the audience says, okay, this is different, but at the same time, it's what I love. So I want to get into this. I want to explore yeah. it more. 
Yeah, and I think that also comes back to my my ability to come up with like throw against the wall stick up ideas. Yeah, you know, it's like you, you come up with these ideas and like on the other front you're just like okay it's out there it it's probably gonna work but once you dig deeper once you treat it as an actual story with like like you would anything else you just it's potential it can work again yeah. like the ninja turtles yeah absolutely man uh, do you believe in writer's block and if so what do you do to overcome it uh i do believe in writer's block i have experienced sometimes and part of part of it was just uh, what i do is um uh, so it kind of depends. Like sometimes when I get an idea, but I can't make it work, I keep working on it until I make it work, or I put it back on the shelf and just work on something else until it hits me. Or, yeah. or even when it was just the actual writing, if I can't figure it out, I just I just write. You know, just see where the yeah. audience takes me, and if I can overcome it again, and and it also helps to have an outsider's like like editor my editor's opinion on it, because like a second yeah. a second voice of reason can always help you solve an issue. Yes. Big yeah. time, <laughs> big yeah. time, man. Yeah. What, do you, what do you like to do when you're not working on these comics? Do you find that you get much spare time to to enjoy hobbies or to relax? Uh, well, a funny thing is, like, most of my time is spent on my comics because it's what I like to do. I don't necessarily consider it work. I just consider it like just something I love to do and like making my life work. So yeah. it's it's more than a it's more than work for me. It's a hobby, but but like that's actually something I'm going to be going to. It's like this this summer is taking the summer off to just really explore my social life and just see what life has to offer. So what I like to do is I like to hang out with friends. I go to like a bar or something, watch like, uh, like ultimate fights on TV or sports, depending on what's on. Um, yeah. Also with some friends, I like to hang out, watch music videos and just like judge them, like how good their singing is or what the style is of their of the video. Um, and then I also like to, I sometimes I'm not much of a gamer, but I do have like some video games that I like to play. Like my favorite is like, the Kingdom Hearts series and Sly Cooper, big fan of those. Yeah. Um, I've also been trying to get into a little fan fiction, a little bit. You know, just like cool. just write just some stories I've always wanted to do, just just for just for fun, because it's, yeah. it's also I also see it as a great writing uh, exercise because. Yes. Everyone can write fan fiction, but to make good fan fiction, that takes real writing skill. Exactly. I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah. How did your friends and family react when you said to them, guess what? I I'm going to make comics for a living. That's what I want to do, and that's what I'm going to do. They were very supportive. I mean, they saw that this was my passion, They and they knew that I wanted to do it. And they're always asking about it, like seeing if they, they can help in some way, like get the word out, or if, I if I'm financially struggling or anything. And I, I feel lucky... They have parents and brothers who are just so supportive of my endeavors because a lot of people wouldn't do that. You know, they look at the creative arts and they're worried it's a struggle. You know, and we're worried you're going to struggle. You're not going to be paying rent. But, you know, they look at what I do and they see I'm passionate about it. And they, they don't really want to help me. They say, they say I know they know I can make it happen. And, like, they're, they're so passionate. They're just as passionate as me and they're so supportive of me. And I feel very lucky sometimes. I mean, yeah. too lucky that I have such supportive parents and family and especially friends. Yeah. that's great that's that's really great because some people when they make that decision of like hey you know this is what i want to do this is what i'm passionate about they tend to tell someone who's close to them a family member or a friend and the response is normally like you're living in a dream what are you thinking why don't you just get a proper job <laughs> exactly exactly and like <laughs> i'm saying you can make these things happen you just can't yeah. like be like like very fun loving about it. you have to take it seriously you have to actually work at it and that's what i'm yeah. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. I'm working on these every day to make this happen. You know, we're looking at ways that we can like do our business angle, like make a profit from it, be bigger. You know, we're we're constantly working on this, and like our parents see this, and we know we're working. They know we're working on it, and they're 
they're so supportive but we just feel very lucky to have parents like them excellent that's what i like to hear so if someone came up to you and said hey look you know i want to write comics okay but i'm just starting out i don't know what the hell i'm i'm doing what advice would you give that person that you wish that you had when you were starting out i have a couple things the first of all is find the story that you're most passionate about like if you have if you're like me you have a whole bunch of ideas you you want to tell them all but you don't know where to start Find the idea that you're most excited about, that you see the most potential in, and you just, that you just want to tell no matter what, and focus on that. You know, put all your energy into making that story, and let your universe build from there. And then, from a technical standpoint, is find an editor or find an outside voice who's going to grind you on every little single detail <laughs> of your comic, because when they do that, you may not like what they have to say, but ultimately you need that advice to grow as a writer. You'll need that. Yeah. You don't, you, you don't need a yes man. You need a no man who can, who can like grind you on every like thing you do and like point, point you out on everything you, that doesn't work. And ultimately you will grow as a better writer for that. And I, I wish I had known these things earlier. I, if I did, I'd probably be farther along in my career than I am now. Awesome. That sounds like solid advice that a lot of people need to hear. What has the feedback been from readers so far of your books? Have you found that it's been mostly positive? Have you had any anyone come back and go, this is filth. How can you make this kind of stuff? Well, I mean, it's most of all, it's been positive reactions. You know, it's not like in-depth yeah. like comments or reviews, but people are yeah. looking at comics they see like a page or a story and they're like, this is really cool. I love where this is going. I want to see more. And occasionally we get like a reviewers, like just like wondering, you know, what exactly where it is we're doing. They're, they're not being like, like kind of trolls about it. They're just generally yeah. curious about like what our process is and all this, but ultimately yeah. our Zener and Empress, the feedback has been generally positive and that's what we love to hear. I mean, but of course we also take the, the negative feedback in the shrine, just like wondering, okay, is it something we're doing or is it just being a troll? We're definitely considering what they're saying and like how we can improve on it yeah yeah excellent man where do you see nrg comics and your yourself and your characters and your books where do you see them being in about five years time what's what's the what's the uh, goal for five years time well uh the goal is to hopefully do this like professionally in a sense that we can actually make a little money off of this maybe not a whole lot but actually we can say that we're actually building up a professional resume and hopefully in five years, we'll have the four title series out that we want to tell. Cause we have a plan to tell, to introduce our universe through Empress, Zener and, a, and another series called Toon Man. And then yeah. put them together into a fourth series, which is our superhero team, the Renaissance and build our universe from there and slowly expand it. So hopefully by in five years, we'll not only be more professionally along and like we're going to cons, we're making some money off of this, but we're also, we have all our series established and we're building our universes and we're really going from there. We're expanding everything. Excellent. Excellent. Alex, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. We are going to have one last question before I let you go, but I do just want to say it's been really great talking to you. I hope, I hope that everyone's checking out the links in the description box right now, as we speak, checking out your books and stuff. And I also want to say you really should come on this show again at some point in the future. Are you open to that? I would love to. I would, I honestly, I would love to just come on and just discuss any comic book related thing or pop culture, even my own books or your own books, whatever you want. I would just love to come on. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. That's what I like to hear. Cause I like getting to sit down and talking to people like yourself, because until you messaged me, I wasn't aware that you were out there. I'm sure there are plenty of people who were, but I didn't. 
And it's yeah. always nice to meet people like yourself who I haven't met before. And to me, it's just a blank slate. It's like, oh, tell me more about you. Exactly. That, that's what I really like doing. So I'd love to get to know more about you and your work in, a, in another episode later on down the line. I would love to. I would love to come back anytime you are open. Excellent. That's what I like to hear. So before I let you go, the final question, this is a question that just like the first question of the show, I ask this to everyone that comes on when it's their first time. And there's plenty of people who watch this show. Normally when it's live, there, there is a certain person called Zachary who's in the chat going, oh, is it time for the question yet? So I, I think they're going to be excited about this one. Do you believe that there is any truth in the idea of the tortured artist? I do believe that. And I think in a lot of ways, uh, a lot of artists are like that. You know, they're like inwardly, like, like a lot, when you look at a lot of creative people, whether they're comedians, actors, musicians, comic book writers, there's also, I mean, they say artists suffering. And like, I know like we're, we're, not, we're not, like, especially for us, maybe we're not as suffering as they are. You know, a lot of people are mentally or psychologically or spiritually, but we're, we're struggling to make a living. And like, it, 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 there is something as the tortured artist and, you know, I think and some of their best work has come from that. But I'll, at the same time, I, w- I want to say to these people who are the torture artists, it's okay to like seek help. It's okay to just put yourself out there and just like be honest and open with yourself. Because I've been in that position. And yeah. honestly, like let it, don't keep everything in. Put everything out. Project it. And people will grow to you and they will be there for you. So I do believe there is something like that. Excellent. That is a wonderful answer. I think the reason why people like it when I ask this question is because only once have I asked a guest that question and they've just said yes or no. And then there was nothing else. Everyone has their, it's not just a yes or no question. They all have their own perspective on it, their own take on it. It's really interesting hearing everyone's different take on it. It is. It is. A very, it's a very psychological, like, like philosophical open question. You know, the really, yeah. where you just like, you can like put any, anyone can answer in their own way. And like, there's no right or wrong answer. I mean, exactly. there may be one wrong answer, but I mean, the, uh, but even so, I mean, it's technically not a wrong answer. You can give your answer to that question in any way. Excellent. Alex, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. It's been a pleasure being on here. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. This has been a great time. I've just really enjoyed my time here. I can't wait to come on again. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thank you for watching and I hope you enjoyed it. I will be back with a new episode of I Have Issues next week. So until then, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, but most importantly, stay safe and stay awesome.